my dad had an extensive VHS collection um, of wrestling and <laughs> of, of Dustin Hoffman's Tootsie, which I recorded <laughs> over with a, uh, a basic cable TV show called Strip Poker, uh, which my parents then found out when we wanted to watch Tootsie as a family uh, when I was 16. <laughs> so sorry sure. that sounds traumatic yeah <laughs> I that is to... way worse than just getting caught jerking off the normal no. way <laughs> oh yeah i moved out the year afterward Tate for unrelated reasons but academy award-winning masterpiece tootsie, tootsie. Yeah. tootsie yeah how often has tootsie come up on the show a way lot. more than one <laughs> would expect at least twice Hello and welcome to WrestleSplania, the podcast where I, Kath Barbadoro, a wrestling fan, introduce my friend Rachel Millman to the wonderful world of professional wrestling. Hey man. Hi. What's up? Uh, we just recorded a bonus episode. Yep. Uh, it's about The Bachelor. Yeah. It's and weird. Like, I feel like I have to switch my brain a little bit. Oh, Not too much, but a little bit. Like slightly, but we talk about how it's like wrestling. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be talking about proper wrestling, but also at the same time, barely wrestling. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's some extracurricular stuff that we will be talking about. Um, and to guide us through that is uh, a Our special first guest time today. returning guest. Yeah, you're the first person who's ever right. done it twice. Back again. Hello, Kath. Hello, Rachel. Back Thank at you it for again having at me. Krispy Kreme. That's right. It's Tim Faust is here. It's Tim a new year. Faust. It's a new me. Welcome uh, back. This is, uh, this is fun. Wrestling is fun, and I'm glad we got to talk about it. Or we'll get to talk about it some more. <laughs> I'm really excited. Uh, so the genesis of this episode was, I think, the first time you were on. Um, we drove to uh, Beyond Wrestling in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. And on the way there, we listened to a cassette tape of Macho Man Randy Savage promos. Yep. Loki Records up in Buffalo, New York, put together a couple of cassette tapes of promos of... Uh, WWE wrestlers from the 80s. I think that they, they had a Roddy Piper one, a Dusty Rhodes one, and a Randy Savage one, which I have now a couple copies. And so I made sure that you listened to <laughs> You have several to copies? Oh, yeah. Cool. One of them broke. Oh, yeah. Um, you played, you played yeah. it too much. Uh, yeah, I did play it too much. And, <laughs> That's what uh, you would want. <laughs> I, I had to make sure that that would, that would never happen to me again. That I would <laughs> never be without... Um, Randy Savage promos. Yeah, whenever I have to buy, whenever I, uh, Tim graciously lends me his car when I have to either move from one apartment to each other or, or from each other or big furniture, I always play the Randy Savage promos. Yeah. They are inherent to road trips at this point. Over the summer, uh, I rented a van that Kath was in and I was like, I'm not in Tim's car, but I have to play the promos. And we pulled out a bunch <laughs> from YouTube. Yeah, I've got a bunch of cassette tapes because I like, you know, I buy them or whatever. That's how they get in my car. Um, but it's mostly the Randy Savage one that gets played more than any of the various like actual music cassette tapes that I, I have like piled in the box in the in, in, in the back of my little truck. Um, yeah, I like Randy Savage a lot. I love his promos a lot. Um, I love his pomp and his circumstance. Uh, well, I mean, he, he, is, he is a man of pomp and circumstance, which makes it fitting for that to be his, uh, his theme music. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's my shit. He's your favorite guy, huh? Mm-hmm. He's not the best wrestler by any means. Um, he wasn't the best wrestler when he was wrestling, and he wasn't the best wrestler uh, 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 in history by, by any stretch of the imagination, but he had a certain, like, 
thing, a certain like it factor, a certain like pure steroidal id um, <laughs> yeah. that he expressed primarily through his promos, but also in, in his in-ring work that I find just totally captivating. Um, it's a person I would not want to have a microphone being given a microphone and then getting really, really amped up about hitting somebody else and then accidentally <laughs> like pumping poetry uh, uh, through his teeth. Uh, I think he's just, it's just like, I think the thing he's best known for is is the Slim Jim commercials, right? That yeah. was my first introduction mm-hmm. to him uh, as a kid. Which Me makes too, sense. yeah. Because he plays, in, like, the Slim Jim did a, bu- a bunch of commercials with, with other wrestlers. I forget who else had theirs, but there was like five or six guys. I think Kane had one or whatever, um, where they'd burst through a wall like the Kool-Aid man and then like give like a tagline and talk about Slim Jim. Do a Slim Jim. Right. Yeah. But Randy Savage has made sense. They're like, oh yeah, yeah of course this guy's going to be the one like... Uh, oh, Pumped up to 11. It's sort of a chicken or the egg thing, except I know the answer, but I believe the opposite. Right. It It immediately became what it had always been. It also is like perfect to me because I actually have a bit where I explain uh, overly muscled people as looking like Slim Jims. Like there's like that extreme dehydrated bodybuilder mm -hmm. body like looks like a Slim Jim to me. So it makes sense that you would have like... a, a guy, little freak. Yeah, like he's so intense when he's delivering his promos th- that like his veins are popping out in that same like dehydrated way and he's super tan and he kind of looks like a Slim Jim. And uh, he also like when he talks, to me it sounds like he took one big breath before he started talking and then is like flexing to hold it in and then is just letting out like a little bit of air at a time. I We said that we weren't going to do impressions on this and we've already, Rachel and I have already broken it. It's we so kind sorry. of set up like an invisible swear jar, but it's like the impressions jar. I think if we go over like our personal allotted amount, yeah. we have to like put in a dollar. We're his, trying to be okay. His speaking is like meat exhaust. Yes. I loved what you wrote about it, which is that it. it was a meat inside of a caulking gun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you, you take a caulk and just pump it up too much, you got to squeeze it out. That's him. But he, he carried that. That's also that. what a Slim Jim is. That's right. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's the result. But he, that, that, that's, he, he, as he appeared in his commercials, made perfect sense for who he was as a character. That's who he played his entire career. Uh, you look back at his early career, even when he was like in the AWA or whatever, he wasn't, when he was in the ter- uh, territories, and he's still delivering the same not the same style, same character, but the same kind of promo. He's yeah. always been like on the verge of crying, uh, 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 his, his hysteria in a speech. That's what I find so captivating about him as a promo. And I guess that's like when you boil down wrestling to like the the goal of the medium, it's always to captivate. Yes. Like no matter how you do it, it's to, to keep eyes on whatever it is and mm-hmm. keep people paying money. And... He is so captivating because he is, like you said, he sort of speaks from like his total, like his id, like it's just sort of coming out. And it is like, he's, he seems very angry, but he also seems like he's about to cry. He seems like he's experiencing every intense emotion at once. It is free associating, like paranoid psychosis uh, fueled by steroids. Yeah. And it's great. Uh, so, like, uh, uh, um, he's got that, and then his costumes were, or, or if you've seen a photo of him, you know this, tie-dye, uh, sequins, a lot of fucking sequins. Yeah. Uh, when he was the Macho King, he had a big cowboy hat, which I think was really goofy. Um, the <laughs> the color- cowboy hat is so, it's so good. good. And the color work is fantastic, but he's, yeah. Yeah. there's nothing, there is, like, wrestling is a sport of excess and spectacle, but, like, even among a bunch of other freaks, even next to Hulk Hogan, he's the guy that stands out as being, oh, this guy's 
really going for it. Yeah. And so, like, uh, uh, I guess my anecdote for, like, uh, he died on May 20th, 2011. I was at work. My best friend Krista told me the news. We both took the rest of the day off because um, it was she loved him growing up and, and, and I, I loved him uh, as well. And then five years later, on, on May 20, uh, 2016, I kind of threw, like, a funeral or memorial party for Randy Savage. Here's how that went down. So Randy Savage had a heart attack, probably from steroids, uh, and crashed his car into a tree uh, outside Tampa Bay, Florida. And he died immediately. I think he died before he hit the tree. Um, his then wife uh, survived almost without injuries. That, that, that's a good thing. Mm. But uh, I hate this tree. This tree I hate the most of any tree in the entire world. Yeah. And it's hard to hate a tree because by and large trees don't do bad things. But this tree's a piece of shit and I wish like that it would be chopped down and like and, like <laughs> dishonored. Um, and so I lived in Florida in the interim period, and uh, I happened to go out and find the tree where Randy Savage died. Um, I marked it. Like, I found that, like, the, the crash report was listed in the police uh, reports. I found the intersection. And you can I, find the tree with, like, the right. marks I found on the it. fucked up looking tree. Like, this is the tree that killed Randy Savage. I'm not going to forget this. And in 2016, I had a buddy of mine, uh, his name is Lando, who lived in Orlando, who was driving to Austin to go see a show or whatever. And so I had him run me a strange favor and drive over to Tampa first, saw off a branch from this tree and bring it to me uh, in Texas, uh, which he did. So I had a branch from the tree that killed Randy Savage. I did a couple of things. I put it into a jar, and then my, my friend Krista, who I was living with at the time, uh, sequined the jar just all over the place. This Aww. big, uh, um, glorious, way-over-the-top sequined jar with the Randy Savage branch planted in the middle of it. And then I threw a party. I was uh, still running. I was, uh, that was my first year of running uh, Party World Wrestling in Austin. And so I had access to a big venue where we threw our shows. And so I made my friends come out to watch a... Um, one of the reasons I was able to send over y'all the videos of, of his matches directly is because I have 240 gigs of Randy Savage videos on my computer. <laughs> nice. uh, um, and so I had all Respect. those playing on a uh, uh, on repeat on, on a projector. And then at midnight or some other time that seemed important, I put the urn with the branch in the uh, street or in the like little road area next to the venue. I went into my car. I put an American flag out the sunroof. I played pomp and circumstance as loud as I could uh, <laughs> and then drove over the branch, destroying it, therefore finishing the cycle and finishing the job. Uh, um, that was my commemoration of Randy Savage. Beautiful. Now, I, mean, I really think he would have liked that. I mean, Oh, most definitely. <laughs> I, I don't want to, you know, make those presumptions, but I'm glad you say that, you know, like uh, uh, it was over. Like it was the, the point was to like watch. Here's this weird dude who I love a lot. Um, let's watch him do some real dumb things and then let's uh, do something also very dumb to try to up the stakes and also show that tree who's boss. <laughs> and so I still have a, a, a branch of a twig from that tree on my desk at work. My coworkers have tried to get rid of it several times because I don't even work no, that. No, 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 that's the cursed tree that I hate. <laughs> right, no, I, I don't even work at that office anymore. Like I'm just there every now and again and like they keep trying to like move this branch like from out of people's ways and I refuse to let it happen. Um, because Glue it to the death. <laughs> that, that, that branch is, is is there to be shamed, but yeah, that that's my uh, uh, that's my thematic impulse with Randy Savage. Um, I think he's uh, a really spectacular performer, and uh, like even compared to like this was in the era of the of the real meatheads, the real freaks, Ultimate Warrior, yeah. Hulk Hogan, God, other guys. Such but a like freak. this is a guy who really tied it together for me, and uh, um, you know, wrestling certainly in the '80s was. I think closer to being a carnival show than it is now, at least in the uh, WWE or, w yeah. w or WWF. Um, and I kind of enjoy that like weird boardwalk carny impulse as expressed by uh, the macho man, Randy Savage. Yeah, I mean, I feel like sounds like an insult, but I think you will know what I mean. 
the thing he is captivating for the same reason that like Alex Jones is captivating. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's like everything is on the surface, anything could happen, which is like the essence of what carny shit is to me. Like mm-hmm. part of the appeal is that like this might all fall apart like in a second. You know, it's not that it's like super polished and slick and everything. He obviously was like, he's clearly an incredible performer and all of this was intentional, but like he's able to convey this sense of like unhinged, like insanity that is so compelling and that like not a ton of people are able to capture today. Yeah, he's a big hulking, jealous, flam- like flamboyant, paranoid, screaming man. Yeah. And, like it's, it's one thing. There are other guys this time in the WWF who are doing cool promos. Jake sure. the Snake Roberts is incredible. He's the first guy to talk quietly. He invented talking quietly on the mic and did a really good <laughs> he job at it. Invented being uh, um, quiet. <laughs> I mean, you look at him like, oh, this guy's he's doing something new. He's not <laughs> shouting. This is really uh, this is getting to me. His neck is not bulging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, pure, pure menace. Ultimate Warrior, I think, also one of the greatest promoers of all time. Just a, a dude has a pure death drive. He only talks about death or metaphors for death. And they're never good metaphors for death. <laughs> but all of his promos were just about that and nothing else. But, like, even among these guys, who I think are, like, at the top of the class. Uh, uh, I can't think of a guy right now who's doing promos. Maybe Velveteen Dream um, that I like uh, as much as those guys. Uh, uh, Randy Savage still, I think, stands atop them all. One of my favorite uh, details in just kind of like a tsunami of favorite details, because it's all just wonderful to watch. And I will say that I've been watching these promos far before you gave us this Google Doc, just because like he's so much fun. It You immediately get it. He just he puts me in a good mood. Mm-hmm. But in watching this with like a, the critical eye that I kind of like turn on when I'm trying to prep for the show is one of my favorite details is that he gets so into arguing with Gene that he fully puts his back to the camera. Yes. Yeah. And it is just such a good character detail of like, this guy is so lost in himself that he's like bad at his job. Yeah. And it is half like a man so fully inept at this that he's like not facing the camera. And the other half is just like, he knows how to sell being this intense freak. Yep. It's just, it's, I don't know why that of all the things is perfect to me because there's so many perfect things. Like I've been talking forever about how the cup of coffee promo, which I would say is probably one of his most famous promos. Mm -hmm. He's doing sleight of hand magic. Yeah. Like he has creamers with the creamers and he keeps (laughs) popping them out of his sleeve. And then in the, uh, I forget what the promo is for, but like the, the Sahara desert one Mm -hmm. that he does that has some beautiful lines that I know Kath especially loved, but he, again, he does sleight of hand magic with the reveal of a garbage can and then he pops it out of there. He's so good at this. He's like just dicking around out there. It's incredible. He clearly like, I, I like that we watched a bunch of ones where he has some kind of prop. He has some kind of business going on. Like, yeah, he had the, the trash can, the creamer, the cup of coffee, uh, I like the one where he has a pitcher and he just says a pitcher's worth a thousand words and then drops it, yep. which I like. <laughs> like just like when he clearly, dumps the candy, all of the it. The candy, yeah. Like clearly, he's just like 
getting ready to go on is like, what can I do with my hands for the first part of this promo to like fuck around with me and Gene Okerlund? <laughs> and it's but see also, something and grabs it. It kind of works too in terms of like, because you have, you talk several times about how he's like the character and probably the man is like a very intensely paranoid guy. So it kind of, for me, for my eye in 2019, looks like somebody grabbing a stress ball so they yeah, can totally. like mm-hmm. get through their fear. Um, but the Kramer is so funny to me because he goes back to coffee a lot. I don't know why. I think because they just have coffee on the tables before he does yeah, the promo. But that's the thing is that, that that's what made me cry laughing months ago about the cup of coffee promo is that he clearly was just like leaving the hotel and was like, ah, shit, I need a prop and like went to this shitty continental breakfast yeah. and was like, oh, I got it. Yeah. You might, you might like this then. The uh, the cup of coffee and cream of the crop promo were about the same match, one before, yeah. one after. Okay. So that was a, just a, a, it was a, that was his coffee period. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's like his so Dadaism. Yeah. <laughs> I think when you're saying the cup of coffee, you don't mean the one where he calls the guy a cup of coffee. You no. mean the cream of the crop one. Cream of the crop. Co- yeah, cup yeah, of yeah. coffee is uh this will be I'm like this And this, he's holding a coffee. This will be Ricky Steamboat's cup of coffee in the big time. And the cream of the crop one was like, even though I lost, I'm still the cream of the crop. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just yeah, his so, coffee period. So you're you're right. It's, <laughs> it's his Dadaism. <laughs> it is it is generally asserted among uh, primary sources that Randy Savage off mic and on mic were the same person. He just kind of became that character. It wasn't always that way. He he grew up in a, a, a wrestling family. Um, his dad, Antonio Poffo, I think it's his name, um, had a Guinness World Record for most sit-ups. So <laughs> that kind of family. Um, his bro- so a bunch of freaks, a bunch yeah. of weirdos. His brother, Leaping Lanny Poffo, a.k.a. the genius, a.k.a. Um, the poet, uh, Lanny Poffo, also ended up a, a wrestler. But he, I mean... It's kind of well known. Randy Savage ended up uh, playing in minor league baseball. I think the Cincinnati mm-hmm. farm team down, down in Florida tore his shoulder, f- pitched with his other hand for the rest of the season, did pretty good, but decided to drop out and go into wrestling full time. Um, and he went through the territories. At some point, his dad made his own territory for the his sons to get better booking in. That's dedication. That's dedication. Um, <laughs> and there's a there's a there's a pretty good promo out there you can find on Google. Uh, uh, I don't know if I have if I have the title of it written down, but like promos he was cutting in that period and like. What I've heard is that he was a kind of shy person. I believe um, it. I immediately so was, believe his it. His character, not that he wasn't a deeply paranoid person, but he was a shy person. Yeah. Also, uh, 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 worth noting, he is the first big-time Jewish wrestler. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. He, I don't know if he like was very loud about being Jewish or like if it was part of his identity, but his mother was Jewish. So interesting. Uh, um, he uh, not a lot of Jewish wrestlers that I know of. Yeah. Uh, um, I really liked the early promo you sent that had the line of last night that I stared at a candle for about two hours right. and got my head together. Right. Yeah. Who <laughs> hasn't? That was something that I wanted to bring up with the the promo that I particularly like, where he's talking about um, Tito Santana mm-hmm. and he says, um, "You're like a grain of sand." in the Sahara Desert and I'm the entire desert and like that line and then the line about staring at the camera like he has some kind of like he's tapping into some kind of metaphysical like Buddhist yes meditative Zen cone that's shit. why I love him so much yeah that's and why I love him it's crazy like it's, <laughs> yeah it's so perfect for this character like that is what a like crazy paranoid dude who also is like kind of smart and like 
kind of nuts would do. He would stare at a candle for two hours. He's a mystic. And then tell you while making like extreme unbreaking eye contact mm-hmm. with you about it. He's wow, a, man. A mystic is a perfect way a to mystic, put it. A mystic, yeah. You could take like objects from Randy Savage promos and make them a tarot deck and it would fit. You absolutely could do <gasps> that. God, we've had so many tarot deck ideas on this show, and now we have a really good one. He does have, he seems to tap into this like universe of imagery that like transcends a wrestling promo. That's that why like, very beautiful. That's exactly why I love him, right? Because wrestling is a bunch of like, like, like greased up dudes taking roids, shouting about fighting each other. That, that rules. But like, the idea of wrestling is that we're going to make this small little like fake fight seem like something bigger. Yeah. And he's taking that and making that seem like, Transuniversal or whatever. Yeah. Um, he is a- adding a layer of like the bizarre, the mystic, the the, the paranormal even to it. Um, fate and destiny intertwine. Uh, um, <laughs> and I love it. I love it. It's like it's what I get from when I read like the Book of Psalms or like yeah. which I don't too often. Not religious, but like sometimes you get stuck in a hotel and you have nothing to do. Um, like that's that's the parts of the Bible that I like, right? The, the big like flamboyant language of of, of grandiose dreams and visions. And uh, he does that about like shoving around Tito Santana and that's so fucking cool to me <laughs> I also do especially because he recently died I these promos would not be these promos without like the beautiful perfect straight man that is Mean Gene Mean Gene Oakland absolutely oh my god like yeah. I he really enhances these oh my and like I I think they would have been special no matter what because Randy himself was a very special person but like they just it adds a little extra extra of like Gene was so good at his mm-hmm. job. And you can tell that there is a genuine love and affection there between them. Yeah, I think so. Of there, just kind of like the at least this respect fre- for the craft. And here's this freak here to make my job hard and I'm going to have a wonderful time doing it. It reminds me of how John Mulaney would write the ridiculous lines for Bill Hader as Stefan. They're mm-hmm. trying to break each other, mm-hmm. and they never do. Well, there's 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 a promo <laughs> on the cassette tape that I couldn't find on YouTube. I mean, I'm sure I could find it, but I just need to figure out, figure out what, what show it was for. Um, where like a phone rings nearby, and so Randy Savage has Mean Gene go pick it up, and then like he's like, "It's Elizabeth." <laughs> what, what's she saying? And like Mean Gene goes with it. <laughs> yeah, he rolls with it. It's- he like I really think. I mean, we all are, are performers, and I, I think. At, I'm sure you would all agree that like trying to perform with someone who is chewing the scenery to that extent can be really, really difficult. It's Mm -hmm. really hard to hold, hold your own. And also for somebody like Gene Okerlund to know your role, like it is, he needs to be the biggest presence and like, but being able to hold your own as the sort of straight man foil to somebody who is that over the top is incredibly challenging. It's in chal- it's challenging just to meet what they're doing. It's unbelievably difficult to enhance what they're doing. And the fact that he is able to do that with just these really subtle, like sort of deadpan uh, comments and, and questions to him is like amazing. Like I really think from like, Obviously, he's great in like the wrestling world, but I just feel like as a, a nerd who thinks about live performance and and things like that, like 
I think he's amazing just on that level. Yeah, it, 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 uh, it's it's like when Jr. has a really good call in a uh, in a match, right? Like, oh my god, by god, they're going to kill him or whatever. What he's saying there is, I accept this thing, and I'm going to amplify it in support of the thing yeah. uh, that I'm watching. Gene is the conduit through which you're supposed to believe it. Mm-hmm. Gene yeah. is the anchor to be like, oh no, this is a real thing. This is not like a freak reading a script or right. improvising a script, as it were. It never. He never makes you feel like it's dumb to buy into this world. Like he never is naive. He's yes, just, he's going with it. He's accepting the terms. He's of the it. only person in the room with honor. He right. turns to the <laughs> and he, he turns to the audience afterward and goes, "I just can't believe that." With his eyes, right? But he's not saying like that. It's fake or that silly. He's like, "That was just that was so extreme for me." Preposterous. Even, even yeah. Yes. Just right. a, a real, a real, a real, a real legend. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. We miss him. There's an early promo. I think I put it in this packet where uh, uh, Randy Savage is like reaching for words and mean gene offers to tell him what the word is that he's trying to say and Randy's like no i got this yeah he's like don't interrupt me like he gets all mad it's very good <laughs> stop the, helping me the first the first time i've seen the word shoot appear in a wrestling promo oh uh, i watched that one several times yeah oh. i really loved that one yeah yeah it's uh it's i don't know they're really charming so Randy Savage joined the WWF and they had like this big to-do where he was the top free agent and all the managers, the Hart Foundation, uh, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, other managers met with him in the ring to try to like recruit him to their stable or whatever. And Randy Savage picked Miss Elizabeth, who was at the time also his real life partner. And so Miss Elizabeth and Randy Savage became uh, kind of his, I don't know, his, his, his group, his cotillion. He uh, became Italian. I love that. He became like a, a intercontinental contender. Got the belt, dropped the belt a couple times, um, and that's when his promo work really began to take hold in WWF. And uh, early in his career, March 19, early in his WWF career, March 1987 at WrestleMania three, he had uh, a feud with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat for the intercontinental belt. The end up to the match was that uh, uh, Savage, who played a heel most of his career. Um, uh, broke the larynx, I think, of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, draping him over the top rope, then over one of the uh, one of the turnstiles, took the bell and smashed the bell over the back of his head. I loved the bell. It's the bell was so real funny. Good bit. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Ricky Steamboat recovered. They had a, a little video segment with a doctor saying that he has superhuman recovery skills, augmented uh, <laughs> uh, 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 by his years of, of, of karate and kung fu training or whatever. Yes. Um, <laughs> And so that's the feud going into WrestleMania 3. And so this match is legendary. It's not the greatest match of all time, not even the greatest match of the uh, 80s, not even the greatest match of Ricky Steamboat's career, which would be, um, I think, his, or I'm told, his uh, series with Ric Ric Flair in uh, NWA. But uh, it is, without question, like one of the greatest matches ever to happen. Um, The rest of the card, I think the main event in the card is Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, which sucks. Um, the match sucks. <laughs> we we covered that because we watched the Under the Giant documentary, mm-hmm. and we uh, talked about how the documentary tries to sell it as something that it is insanely not. Right, but it's <laughs> it's it's, it's the, I get that the story's cool, I guess. Oh, and then the third time he body slammed him or whatever. But like most of WWF card at this time, at least in this, in this WrestleMania three, is like big dudes hitting big dudes, um, doing three or four moves. Um, maybe a suplex every now and again, and like it kicks ass, but it's it's you know it, it's it's a bullfight. 
Um, yeah. that this was is very I, different than yeah, that. That is, was what I found really, really notable about this match, which is that I've come to like, and maybe this is like a sacrilegious thing to say, and you can yell at me, and I'm sure if you want to yell at me, you will anyway, uh, is that I, when I watch stuff from this era, I don't really watch it for like work rate or like move set right. or whatever. Yeah. But like from a tech- technical standpoint, this is a good match. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I just, I was immediately blown away by it. And it's just kind of like a mark for me of how far I've come instead of like, ooh, that's cool. Some cool shit happened. Wow, look at that. I was like, this is a fucking banger of a match itself. Like the, the, you said the, you told us that the, uh, they very much rehearsed the choreography for this. Yeah, Randy Savage was notorious for making his matches, like have every single move listed. They'd run through it over and over and over again in like hotel rooms and stuff. And you can tell the other matches are mostly like they're, they're calling it in the ring, which is fine. Some guys can, like I watched Chuck, Chuck Taylor call it in the ring and that was incredible. Like uh, uh, some guys can really call it in the ring and that rules. But like th- there's a difference between like what we saw in the rest of the card, WrestleMania 3 and this. Like this, this storytelling, I'm telling the story out there in the ring is like what literally every wrestler ever says about what they do. And like they're right, they're not wrong, but like. So of the story isn't very interesting. This is a story that like hustles and like moves the entire way. Um, I, I, uh, 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 the, sorry, he, uh, Randy Savage loses at, at, at the end of the match, but like, even knowing that I, this is the kind of match I make, like there was a time in my life where I would get really drunk at bars with friends and we'd all come back to somebody's house where I was usually crashing and <laughs> I'd make all the friends who were like that slept for the count watch wrestling with me. Yeah. And this was usually what I would put on for people that didn't like wrestling. And they'd go, Oh, often they'd go, Oh, I, I think I get this now. Yeah. Um, the match really like it's accessible, it's fun, it moves, and I love it. By all accounts, this really stole the show for WrestleMania three, and it was a mid card match. It was not like a main event. It wasn't like a semi main or anything. So crazy that this is mid card. It's it's really good, and it it is like really modern in a lot of ways. Like all the all the false finishes and stuff. Nineteen like, false finishes. Nineteen false finishes in like a fifteen Damn. minute match. Which I feel like if I saw that in a fifteen minute match in twenty nineteen, I'd be like, we get it. Like you don't need that many. But like back then when they weren't doing that all the time and they had to remember all those false finishes mm-hmm. and that wasn't done. Like that's not what the rest of this card looks like, you know? So I think it sticks out even more. In isolation, it is still a really, really exciting match. Like, it really is, um, you know, and again, like, the wrestling is good, the quote-unquote work rate is good, but they're not doing, like, anything crazier than you would see on, like, a random Monday Night Raw. The craziest move is, like, a double axe handle or, like, uh, uh, Savage's elbow. But they make it seem the way that they put the match together Mm -hmm. is so exciting it's not like watching a like fighting video game which sometimes it can seem like when you're watching super move heavy wrestling like they this match reminds me how much i fucking love a good deep arm drag it is Randy, or sorry, Ricky Steamboat's arm drags amazing. are incredible. They're so good. He does for the arm drag what Randy Savage does for the elbow drop. Yeah. It is just that it, that does not look like the same move anymore. It is. It's so fucking good. I was also gonna say that about his elbow drop. That his elbow drop looks so brutal mm-hmm. and amazing. And again, that's coming from someone who watches modern wrestling, where I I've seen hundreds of elbow drops, and I'm still like freaking out. Yeah. It, like I yeah I thought this match was like so great um you can tell that people are losing their minds mm-hmm. about it like at the time like the the way the crowd is reacting because this is um ricky steamboat's first match back after his 
quote unquote larynx injury. Right? Yeah, and he was and he was super over. He he was a very yeah. over face. Oh, and like I just it's it's wonderful for me when I watch something separate from Cats for this show that we both haven't really seen before, and I like immediately know that like we both are going to love this guy, and that's how I felt about Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, of like immediately like. Oh my God, we have to do an he's episode so on him. He's so cute and he's good at arm drag. He's, he's my favorite. Really, <laughs> He's really, really good. I yeah. think he got injured mid-career, but if he hadn't, like that dude moves and he works. He's hot. He's a hunk. Yeah. Um, oh, he's a cutie, cutie for sure. These guys worked so well together in this match. And like there's, like the story of the match is fun, right? Like, oh, he's going flip. He's, he's, he, uh, he gets uh, 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 Ricky on the ropes and he injures his larynx again. And like, oh God, and like, goes to uh, uh, throw him out of the ring and then grabs the bell, but George the Animal Steel, his disgustingly bodied manager, comes in. <laughs> um, to, I to save love the day. George the Animal Steel. I'm so happy that Mungo from Blazing Saddles is a character in this. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the same character. I'm just glad there's some back hair represented. Like, <laughs> it's so rare to see back hair in wrestling and I'm just happy every time I just want to know if they were having him take a supplement to grow more. <laughs> he was a Latin teacher before he was a wrestler. That rules. Yeah. What? His wrestling character was deeply problematic. Uh, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, a man who appeared to have some sort of cognitive disability, but who knew how to wrestle. Um, and so when the bell rang, he'd become and like uh, a, a brutal warrior or whatever. Uh, I don't want to gloss over that. But all, all accounts, nice guy, a Latin teacher until wrestlers, a pretty cool career trajectory. Yeah, that's um, sort of why we love Hangman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact uh, for listeners that are familiar with Master Pancake Theater, the thing I do in Austin, the guy who does that as his job, John Erler, also a prior Latin teacher. I think that's like late, like relatively late in life. He was like, I'm going to do comedy full time instead. Yeah. Teller of Penn and Teller, the good one, also a former Latin teacher. Huh. These Latin teachers, yeah. they're really doing something. Well, <laughs> Latin's not doing anything new, so That's I guess true. we got to move on from there. <laughs> um, uh, the, another thing I just wanted to point out, this is like not super germane to the match, but I've noticed this in other wrestling things, and I'm wondering if it originates here. Um, I, I, It's Jesse the Body Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon are calling That's this, right. right? They keep saying, they keep calling his larynx his larynx. And I've heard multiple wrestling commentators say larynx instead of larynx. <laughs> and I'm like, did you all learn what this word was from watching wrestling? Because you Probably. all say it this way. <laughs> yeah, Probably. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. Like, it, it's just like a weird thing I've noticed. And I was like, oh, this is like a very seminal match that a lot of people have watched. They probably got it from this. Fun commentators, too. Great, Great. commentators. Yeah. Well, Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh, um, I can see why they called him the brain when he ran for governor. Yeah, uh, he's quick. Um, he's, he's real good on the mic. I really liked um, all of the all of the matches you had us watch. I really enjoyed the commentary on all of them. I think Gorilla Monsoon is calling all of them, and then Jesse the Body was two of them, and then WrestleMania Seven I think was somebody else. It was I think Vince. I think was it? I think, I it, think was, it, it was, was Vince. it was Jesse and Vince, and and, and the second. Oh, match. okay. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, yeah. There's there's a good commentating call that sticks up in my mind, which is he's got a lot of throat. Yeah, um, he's got a lot of throat. Is really really funny. Uh, One of the big things for me. About this match specifically, but kind of throughout it, is that the reminder that like, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing. I just think it's fact. Nothing in wrestling is new. Absolutely nothing in, is, in wrestling is new. I don't know if I totally agree. No, I would say, okay, not absolutely, but like so much of it is like we have seen this done over and over again. And it's been done wonderfully Mm. i love watching it that's why i do this but like it's just a reminder of like if you see something like that in a ring that is not like somebody innovating that is someone like 
paying homage referencing paying homage and reference to the past and like it's just i just think it's it's a, a good reminder of like this is a repeat of a cycle and it's a really fun repeat i would posit that Things can be new, but once a successful new thing happens, it spreads like wildfire everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Like, Chris Jericho has certainly done new things. Yeah. I mean, he invented the money in the bank match, which, like, is a, mm. a, a, a gimmick that, like, should not have worked that well. But, like, now, like, <laughs> in this, like, 100% great idea, I get it. But, like, as far as, like, what happens in, like, the pacing of the match, that kind of thing, yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, uh, um, a lot of the, like, I don't know, it's good-ass wrestling, and that's timeless as yeah. far as wrestling goes. Yeah. I also wanted to point out in a our a previous episode we talked about uh, how much Rachel likes it when somebody does the skin the cat back up over the ropes. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. I immediately mm-hmm. loved yeah. It. I think it was in the Tanahashi episode. Yes, we talked it was. About that, which was last week as, as the time of listening to this. And then I saw him do it there, and I was like, I wonder if Rachel will. Uh, oh, I immediately that. was like, Oh, he's doing it! Yay! <laughs> this, this is a, a a little thing that I liked, which is. Um, obviously, uh, Jesse the Body Ventura was playing the heel announcer, mm-hmm. and Girl Mountain's playing the face announcer. But their voices are so different, and Jesse's is lower. So when he says all the heel stuff, like it sounds like I don't know, it sounds like well, on your shoulder you got the you got the devil and the angel. <laughs> um, uh, one guy saying, "Oh, I can't believe that Ricky Steamboat would be doing these bad things. Look at him! Oh, he's cheating. That was a fast count." And Girl Mountain's talking in a much higher voice, like, uh, uh, <laughs> "No, what are you talking about? This is how wrestling works." Um, these are the rules. It's it, it was fun to have like that clear delineation of. Uh, they're both very dumb, and one of them is good, and one of them is bad. Um, <laughs> All yeah. of it is dumb. I've, I think I've watched this match upwards of 24 times, because um, I love it. Like it, it, I go back to it when I'm stressed out. Yeah. Um, it's like a fun thing to watch. Um, I can see that. I feel like it was, like, it's really exciting, but it's also not, like... It's not like stressful in the way that like some exciting wrestling can be like, like, like the stressful. McFoley Hell in a Cell one or whatever. Yes. Like I don't want to watch that over and over again. I want to yeah, watch no that once. Um, but this one, like, uh, it's it goes easy. It's smooth. It's fun. It is uh, still, I think, the largest WWF audience. Mm-hmm. Um, the canonical, or sorry, the uh, canonical count for uh, WrestleMania three was, I think, ninety three thousand. 173. Oh, 178 or 170 something, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think like the real count is like 5,000 lower. <laughs> um, but no. There's a lot to, of like truthers about uh, it. Yeah. WrestleMania, like uh, WrestleMania 20 or 25 or 23 or whatever, their canonical record is like 120, but that's like 40,000 high. So I think like you uh, you look at the actual numbers or actual estimates. That one's easier to figure out because they have to. Uh, I listened to this new podcast, which just ended apparently called WrestleNomics. Um, which is uh, a bunch of spreadsheets about wrestling uh, spoken out loud to you, um, which is, <laughs> I'm I'm the niche for that. I 100%. was just going to say, like, that sounds like hell to me, but it sounds like something you would be all about. Oh, it's about. so therapeutic. Um, <laughs> they're just, they're reading chart values. And uh, one of the guys that ran it uh, went on to be AEW's uh, VP of, like, contracts or whatever, which oh, is why cool. I got into it, because I'm, oh, I'm not the class. But uh, they, I think they measured out looking at the uh, WWF, WWE, like, uh, because um, they're a public company, they have to file financial records. I think they sussed out that like WrestleMania 25 or 23 or whatever um, was in the like mid 80s. Yeah. So I think so there's a pretty good still... chance WrestleMania 3 is still the, the biggest of all time. And like I'm glad that audience uh, saw this. Yeah. Actually, here's a tangent that I haven't thought out fully. One of the reasons <laughs> that I, uh, that I like this is that like I don't know. I like wrestling as a thing to go get drunk responsibly and like not to think too much about but get swept up by yeah yes. not too like 
I love when there's a lot of spectacle, a lot of razzle-dazzle, a lot of pizzazz. I like Bucks matches. I like watching indie stuff now. I think I like, I like when there's a lot of like high concept work, but it's nice watching a pretty dumb show. Uh, yeah. um, and this uh, this is a pretty dumb match, and it's a, like, I can imagine my dad going to like the Milwaukee Coliseum and drinking eight beers or whatever responsibly. He was a responsible drinker, and like hanging out with his brothers and uh, cheering for this thing, and then like walking home or whatever. Yeah, it's uh, uh, I, there's 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 a timeless residence there. Now the makeup of that audience and like the uh, general niceness of the audience, of course, differ from time to time. I'm not wishing one over the other, but I do appreciate a dumb thing to watch um, in low definition television. <laughs> So uh, Mania 3 ended, and then uh, Randy Savage was no longer in Intercontinental title. And he no. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, but he began his uh, 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 series of feuds with the Hart Foundation. It would culminate with uh, a feud with the Honky Tonk Man. I don't know if you all familiar with the Honky Tonk Man. Um, yep. It's not even like... El- it's just... Oh, man. I think uh, David Shoemaker describes him as a mix of a wrestling Elvis and a wrestling Elvis. Um, <laughs> it's just Elvis. It's yeah, just fucking it's Elvis. Straight Elvis. Um, but they don't want to like pay anyone, so he's the honky tonk man. He was <laughs> he was part of the Hot Foundation. On the way there, uh, Randy uh, uh, feuded with other members of the Hart Foundation. So, so there was a, a cool thing. Sorry, Cedric. Oh, I just wanted to, Rachel, do you know about the Hart Foundation at all? I, as familiar as I am whenever we wind up seeing it at shows, I kind of figured it out. It's like a gentle compound full of <laughs> so, so, not gentlemen. <laughs> so it started, it's, um, I believe they're from Calgary. Is that right? I think I know they're from Canada. Yeah. So it's, it's like the this, hearts are, I don't know if the heart foundation is, I just know like Stu Hart was yeah. Bret Hart's dad and he ran a school, like the heart dungeon where a yeah. bunch of people trained and then like the heart dungeon, a lot of those people it's the heart foundation is like its own thing in WWF. But my understanding is that they mostly people that trained there and a lot of those people are related. So yeah, like so Jim, I, the anvil Neidhart is in this and that's yeah. Natalia's dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and Natty. And then, uh, there's like a ton of them. We don't like one. The other one died tragically. We all there's yeah. a bunch. Yeah. There's yeah. a bunch. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, but the, and the manager is uh, uh, the mouth of the south, Jimmy Hart. Yeah. Um, who's yeah. Whose suit I fucking love. Incredible. <laughs> um, he is Jay he Friedman. Looks... If Jay Friedman were a wrestling manager. Oh, that's he's, a wait, wonderful thing to say about Jay Friedman. <laughs> but his suit looks like an airbrushed truck. Mm-hmm. He is wearing that. It is lovely. He he's got a it. wizard on a van walking. He got it yeah. airbrushed at like a boardwalk. Definitely. He took a full it's suit. so good. <laughs> and he, uh, he has the gimmick I like of just carrying a megaphone around and shouting in it while the match oh. is happening. Oh, Which is yeah. perfect. I love oh. That is exactly what a like loud, mouthy bad guy should be doing. Oh, um, I got in trouble with Wait Nate once for pulling out my megaphone and talking to him through it. And he was <laughs> like, can you stop? <laughs> I'm right here. This is rude. If you like... <laughs> If you like people shouting into a megaphone during matches, I highly recommend uh, you check out one of the Lucha shows in Sunset Park because the uh, ring announcer just talks on a microphone through every match. Well, that's so good. And it rules. It's really good. good. (laughs) I live close to those. I'm going to check those out. They're really fun. Next time there is one, I'll I'll let you know. Sounds like a lot of things I want to do. And yes, just a Saturday Saturday night's main event. Um, Saturday night's main event was a cool thing in like the late 80s. 
um, in that it was a thing that the network would give WWF if there was nothing else on, which is great real estate, right? Yeah. So the one thing, I, the one example I can think of, this might, might not even be it, but like a thing that might be might be in the spot is like the Sunday when like uh, when now we would have the Pro Bowl, but like when there was no football because the Super yeah. Bowl hadn't happened yet. But this it's is like, the Olympic slot. Yeah. Here's here's like a, a weekend when we've got nothing, but there's a lot of people who want to watch TV. Yeah. And so as a result, like most TV wrestling was just jobber fests through and through. Yeah. You'd have some dude you don't care about fighting a dude you don't care about for an hour because like this was not a thing that was selling a lot of commercials. Right. They don't want to give it give away the good stuff on a non right. like yeah. But this actually was like a main event. It was always top tier talent facing top tier talent. So this match is a uh, 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 Randy Savage fighting uh, Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation. It's a it's like not an important match, uh, but it's fun because Bret Hart's young. Um, this is before they were doing the shoulder pads. Um, so you get to see really young Bret Hart accompanied by Jim Ned Hart and uh, uh, Jimmy Hart uh, fighting Randy Savage. And uh, Miss, Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth is there too. And it's fun. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like, So we get a little bit of a promo before the match starts um, with Macho Man screaming, Vengeance is mine, which mm-hmm. is always wonderful. But like Elizabeth... Vengeance is, Vengeance is mine, saith the Macho Man. Yeah. Vengeance is mine. Uh, um... <laughs> But so Elizabeth talks too, and her sort of understatement versus the macho man is like a very interesting dynamic, I think. Yeah, I thought it was uh, interesting that it starts off with Elizabeth being asked a question that she doesn't get to answer. And uh, based (laughs) on what you told me, that's pretty like a bummer parallel to how that was in real life yeah we should talk talk about that now so like uh uh, randy savage the character played a obsessive paranoid jealous heel uh, especially when it came to miss elizabeth which gave a convenient plot point because somebody could have a crush or whatever the 80s version of like sexual like low-grade sexual menace was um on miss elizabeth (laughs) or uh could threaten her she could get hit by something or whatever and that would uh or even outside the ring and randy would flip and uh go over there and and try to get now that parallels who he was in real life, right? He was a um, bad dude, at, at, at least at this point in his life, especially in re- his treatment of his real life partner, Miss Elizabeth. He was emotionally abusive uh, um, at one point. Like, like he wouldn't let her make eye contact with other wrestlers because he was jealous that uh, that she might like, like I don't know, get horny for them or something. Um, it sounds like a lot of his problems interpersonally, not only with miss elizabeth but also like when like people talk about him forcing people to rehearse and everything like that is that he seems to have major major control issues yeah like which is probably also and again not to be like a true artist is a a rapist or whatever but like those control issues are also kind of what made his matches good but it was clearly not a productive like way to live his life because of how horrible he was to people, mm-hmm. particularly her. And you even see it like you it, it gives it a, a really uncomfortable tinge when you watch him kind of leading her around by the arm and like positioning her like which he does a lot where it's like you stand here. Now you stand here. He's like physically moving her and it's not in a um abusive looking way it's not like he's grabbing her roughly but like, yeah but if you know what to look for you can see it exactly it's not it's it's not like a physically um imposing like way to touch someone but the fact that he won't let her just walk to where she's supposed to go right is like moving her around when he when, when he turned face uh he began treating her in character better 
uh, a lot of that stuff like began to go away or be diminished, which is like even grosser because it, because it's, it's consciously it's a consciousness yeah. of it. Like many other wrestlers and like Randy's itself, her life is fucking sad. Yeah. Like that's I you can read her wiki page. She dies sadly in a bad relationship. She's very, very good at playing this role still. And Kath made the great point of like it you it's she's it's probably easy for her because she's actually terrified of him but she still manages to play this like wisp that's going to blow away in the wind and she plays it beautifully and she's also like beautiful herself like she's a legitimately gorgeous person we love her outfits i love her outfits (laughs) for the 80s like no problems with the makeup and you often have a lot of problems with the makeup no it's really good yeah she um i think it's cool how and and maybe she did play heel sometimes but i think it's cool that like she was always good like even when he was bad she she was was, the humanity yeah like she was she was the baby face and like granted that made her you know a a victim of his in the kayfabe even like she was being bullied but it was she was always good you were always rooting for her even when he was shitty which is like not necessarily the case when you have a manager wrestler pair and she but she just plays it so well she has such a sweetness to her and yeah you really emotionally connect with her performance and you know we'll get into that when we talk about uh the stuff we're going to talk about later but she really is a huge part of his character and um you know it's awful that she had to go through this but like we would be remiss to not talk about her yeah no her right. strengths uh in, in helping this character get over it wouldn't be the show that we pride ourselves on without us touching on like hey this was fucked up yeah totally yeah the match itself is very silly <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a lot of shenanigans a lot of men in pink singlets running around the ring Bret Hart has panty lines just gonna <laughs> oh does. Ricky Steamboat has panty lines too That's right <laughs> I this was weird because like I haven't watched a ton of Bret Hart and like he's kind of beefy like he's kind of big in this like bigger than I thought he was he's not always this big I don't think but yeah yeah. he slimmed down a little bit Um, because I was not remembering him as being this this much man and he's like pretty big Mm -hmm. but uh, it's fun they do a lot of uh, a, a lot of fun body work um obviously the theme of the match or not obviously you can't see it this is a podcast the theme of the match is that Bret Hart hurts uh, Rick, Ricky Savage, uh, sorry, Randy Savage's ankle, um, and then uh, Elizabeth comes over and takes off Randy Savage's shoe, and he's hopping on one foot in the ring for a while, yeah, and manages to uh, reverse a, a flip uh, uh, into a hold and get him for the pin. Um, I just really love your pause of like the theme of this match is that Bret Hart hurts. It's <laughs> a really funny theme, even though it's not true. Sorry, that's why I laughed. <laughs> you, you did say they did both get hurt in this match. Yeah, they both got hurt in like, real life. Real. I forget how. Um, uh, I was looking for it. On. Yeah, they, they they cover it well. Yeah, it just it's two good wrestlers putting on a uh, two great wrestlers putting on a great show for a, a Saturday night TV show. It's a, yeah, um, it's, I love. I just I love all the interference stuff and like I. I, I don't know the uh, the idea that they're like coming for El- Elizabeth to do what like stare at her right <laughs> they're yeah. not gonna beat up a lady there's on a, 
TV. It's just, just a lot of weird, like men menacing women just perpetually throughout any match Elizabeth is in. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, just like but never the predatory gaze. Yeah. But yeah, for in a fun way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we talked about antiquated fun sexism when it comes to like Bob Barker and how why he worked for the the raw stuff, and it's kind of a similar thing here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. It's fun watching these guys move because they both can obviously wrestle really well. And it just it's, uh, if you want to use the term, pretty high work rate or match, especially, yeah. re- again, relative to the time. All three of the matches in the card are, uh, you know, they're, they're bangers through and through. Something is always happening to look at, which I enjoy. Um, there's a dude in the front row wearing a vintage Apple T-shirt, which I guess at the time would be a contemporary Apple T-shirt. Uh, it's <laughs> so like he's just getting off of work. Aqua or whatever. It says Apple in, in big letters, which I like. And uh, what I like, it, it's dumb, but a thing I like a lot in this match was at the very end of the match, um, Bret Hart holds, maybe it's uh, Jim Not Hart, holds Randy Savage for... Jimmy Hart to come hit him with a with with, with a megaphone. Yeah, yeah. Ducks out of the way just in time, and Jimmy Hart ducks uh, uh, the other member of the Hart Foundation, and uh, oh, and the you know these villains are hoisted by their own petard, <laughs> and uh, uh, Randy grabs the bullhorn and it accidentally turns on siren mode, so he, <laughs> so he just waves it around while he cheers himself on, and I like that. He's he's wearing one shoe, he's hopping around, and he's just waving the bullhorn around, and I uh, I really like that quite a bit. <laughs> The, the other things, just the things we haven't mentioned that uh, I want to mention. First of all, there's a Brian Bosworth cameo. That's right. The which Boz. Which is great. <laughs> He's just walking through the crowd. They're like, oh, Brian Bosworth's here. And then um, the other thing was just like, one thing I noticed in all of these, but this match kind of made me think about it the most, is that um, Macho Man is very good at sailing over the top uh, rope down to the floor. Like the way he does it, whether he's being thrown or whether he's jumping he somehow manages to fall very slowly. I don't know what it is, but it like something about how he's positioning his body makes it like very thrilling to watch. Like it's just like it it makes it seem like he's like going from higher up somehow. It's it's some kind of physical performance. I don't know what exactly he's doing, but every time he does it, I'm like, that's really cool. He's like really good at leaping over that rope. I like it. <laughs> so uh this feud with the Heart Foundation culminates in Honky Tonk Man smashing a guitar over Macho Man's head. Uh, but Classic. missing and like partially hitting Elizabeth too. No! Uh, uh, right. So Hulk Hogan runs in at Liz's request to, to save him. And thus uh, Hogan and Savage shake hands and finally form tag team the Mega Powers. Uh, which I'm sure was like successful, but I'm not. I don't really care about it, um, because realistically, right? Like uh, uh, in WWE, there is no way that WWF, there is no way that Savage could be the top babyface because they had Hogan, and yeah. Hogan sells more T-shirts than anybody uh, ever until maybe John Cena, right? When they yeah. begin going international, um, it's a shame that he sucks because it really is a banger design. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, Hulk Hogan, but I mean, Hulk, he, there's it's. And Hogan's like just he is the face of the company because that's how you make money in WWF makes sense. Uh-huh. And so long as that's the case, which it will always be, uh, Savage can't be the top guy. So he keeps yeah. playing like the tag team partner, the sidekick, the whatever to Hulk Second Hogan middle. for a couple of years. The sidecar. And yeah. this, uh, uh, so the Mega Powers eventually break up, and the cause of the breakup was, as you can guess, uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, 
<laughs> Hogan accidentally ringed out Savage in some sort of match, and Elizabeth got hurt as a result, and Hogan carried her to the back, and that made Savage freak out and attack Hogan and turn heel. So at Mania 5, uh, they had a title match. At that point, Savage uh, was the heavyweight champion, and he dropped it to, to Hogan. Uh, it was a good match as far as Hogan matches go, but not as much fun to me as what happens two years later. Um, eventually, Hulk Hogan, or Randy Savage won King of... So he's back, he's a free agent again, he's a bad guy. He broke bad by, by a- attacking Hulk Hogan and kind of uh, dropped out of the Mega Powers and lost the belt WrestleMania 5. And then he lost Elizabeth too, right? Yes, he did lose Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, she became Hogan's manager um, for <gasps> some part of that time period. And How so... Uh, Randy Savage won King of the Ring, which I think is a Jerry Lawler uh, invention. But at, at the which t- I'm sad they don't have anymore because I like the idea of you win and you have to wear a crown. Yep, everywhere. you had to wear a crown. I think that's like really good, and they should bring it back. I think that's why I like the Street Profits so much because they wear a crown. They wear crowns. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just I that's like a good gimmick. I I think that's really fun. Is you have to have a, have a, a it crown. is I a monarch in a ring. <laughs> and uh, Randy Savage, in his usual low brow, low key way. Oh, uh, you know, ran with it, uh, turned his uh, crown into a big cowboy hat, got a big scepter, <laughs> and <laughs> thus Macho King Randy Savage was born. <laughs> he took a new manager, Sensational Sherry. Who uh, I love. Just incredible. Yeah. She's the, awesome. The opposite of Elizabeth in any way you could think of it as a character, right? Mm-hmm. She's, she's wearing confusing makeup. Yeah. Um, her hair is uh, also confusingly teased. Her costumes are aggressive. Yes. Um, and also very flamboyant. And so for a couple of years, they had... Uh, a, a managership, right? Uh, they cut promos together. Sensational Sherry would cut promos alongside Macho Macho King. She'd scream and shout, be real intimidating. Uh, it was pretty good. I, I liked it. He eventually began a feud with the Ultimate Warrior, who was the new heir apparent to the Hulk Hogan crown. Mm. Um, Ultimate Warrior is incredible. We got really briefly. Ultimate Warrior is a man who could not wrestle, but who could get really big. Yeah. And uh, if you watch his promos, the dude had a death drive. He was obsessed with death. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, no clue why he was a face or like why he was like the main... But kids loved him. So he, he wore multicolored tassels in his arms. He did big dumb moves. Uh, We've talked to a lot of people who have said like Ultimate Warrior was like my gateway as a child mm-hmm. into this and it makes total sense to me. Like why like a loud neon man with huge muscles would be like, yeah, this is, I want him as my backpack. (laughs) He used to sprint to the ring full speed, but he had to stop because he would get tired. (laughs) And then couldn't wrestle. Like he's that guy. Like a giant guy like that running top speed is terrifying. It's great. I feel like that again makes total sense. Cause like that to me is like, a hopped up ADHD kid like just runs everywhere you know like those have you ever seen like children like that like they don't walk they just like I full on was sprint. that child exactly you know what I'm talking about yeah. it's a real thing he's yeah. a, he's the running kid on juice um, <laughs> yeah yeah definitely but uh, they started a feud uh, they attack him outside, outside the ring hit him with stuff the, uh, the macho king scepter got a straight shot in the forehead because this is the pre-concussion era and uh, led to a feud led to a Wrestlemania 7 career versus career match loser had to leave town so basically before we talk about this i do want to know like how much of this were you watching contemporary with it when it was actually on this was all before i was born all of this was before you were yeah. born when were you born i was born in 88 okay so this is okay that makes sense because i was like oh the wedding's 91 are you like way younger than me but no we're the same age. no got uh, it so you found all of this out later vhs tapes mostly got it okay um, um and then uh so what i watched 
WWE, like with my, I have much I have this. My, my dad was a big wrestling fan. Yeah. I'd watch his shit in the basement. Um, uh, I'd watch some of the, like the Rock and Austin stuff, the Attitude Era when it was contemporary, but I didn't like all of it. Um, no, this was your shit. This, this, this is what I liked. Yeah. This is the shit that I've always liked. Um, the it's, shit it's fun. that molded Tim. That's really. right. Yeah. I mean, I I get it. Like this, this match is so arresting. Like it, it's interesting to watch um, the Ricky Steamboat match and then watch this because they're like very different in a lot of ways. But again, they both are captivating in mm-hmm. the same way. And like they both, I was just sort of glued to my computer screen as I was watching them. And like it's when I think when people think of wrestling. If they don't watch it, they think of like Ultimate Warrior versus Macho Man. Mm-hmm. S- so much fringe, sequins, beads, like I love neon, all these things so much. Screaming muscles, uh, like shitty leg drops. Like that's like what everyone thinks of. And this match has all of that. Yep. And then it also has like screaming and crying and like the rending of garments of the audience. And that is like exactly what everything about wrestling like that's it it's this is capital w wrestling these these two men are inflicting biblical plagues upon each other yeah um it rules ultimate warrior can't wrestle this is the i think his best match randy yeah. randy's it's not bad no, it's, like... no, it's not bad but like randy <laughs> savage made this match happen yeah. like ultimate warrior does like a, a shoulder charge um a like a kind of like a spear and like kill like a flying tackle or whatever and that's about it and those are all kind of the same move when you think about it yeah he did a clothesline as well i guess yeah um but he's, he's also just disgusting <laughs> he's, he's so really good. hard to look at yeah like <laughs> Randy Savage is an uncomfortable wet freak Mm -hmm. and we love him (laughs) Mm -hmm. for it. But he's so big that I'm like, oh, is Randy Savage medium sized? No, he's a huge roided out dude. It's just that Ultimate Warrior is more so, but not, he's not like a Brian Cage to me. Like Brian Cage just makes me smile, but like Ultimate Warrior is just kind of like, He's got muscles that threaten me. They're yeah. just they're it's not comfortable to look at. And I get that that's the point. <laughs> but it's still one of those things where I'm like, "Oh, yuck. I'm not ugh. I ha- you have to adjust mm-hmm. to it like a really bright sun." <laughs> that's how I feel about like kind of everything in this match is you have to adjust to it like a really bright sun cuz it's just like, <laughs> "Huh, full sun." It's so <laughs> it's so much. Like I can see why this made such an impression on children, you know? And like Macho Man is carried out with uh, Sherry on a litter. And like... Oh, it's so good. It's really good. It's awesome. I was like, fuck, more people should be carried out on a litter. Mm -hmm. Like, it's great. It it really... I really enjoy it. Um, Speaking of, actually, we were going to ask about... In the other matches we watch, people are rolled out on carts. I love the carts. Is that That's like a weird... That they don't walk to the ring in either of the other two matches. They are like in a little corral that looks like a mini wrestling ring and are like pushed to probably the for ring. time limits right i would assume i don't know could be for grabby fans that kind of thing could be could um, be because sometimes Cause they're they not walk. an elevated platform not super elevated just no. r- they're just rolling no but. i'm just if they walked out it would be an elevated platform versus like now when they walk out it's elevated but like then they were just like on the floor mm, yeah i guess that makes sense instead of building a ramp 
um, like they do for like Raw and SmackDown or whatever. Yeah. They just don't have that and they have the cards. Anyway. My, my guess would be a combination of one, it's what boxing matches did and they wanted to look legitimate. There you go. Two, Good uh, call. Uh, That's it, it. It like added an air like of, of, of make it easier for wrestlers. But three, like I think the first match was many three. They just enter kind of like from the side. Uh, yeah. No, Saturday Night's main event. They just kind of like enter like from 10 feet away. Like that's where the door happens to be. Yeah. Like uh, not a lot of going on. Uh, I have my notes and I want to get this out. I think Ultimate Warrior is the inverse of Randy Orton. And that Randy Orton can wrestle really good. I admit that. I have no interest in watching him do anything. Mm. Um, he could be saving a child's life and I would change the channel. Um, <laughs> He's getting the boy out of the balloon. Yeah, my God. <laughs> All right, man, keep on trucking. Ultimate Warrior can't wrestle, but everything he does, I watch with like extreme like uh, uh, focus. Um, yeah. He... He's not even trying to sell it. He's like, he, his body is so weird. His energy is so <laughs> terrifying. Um, I really can't, like, I, just, I think I've said it twice before, but, like, his strange obsession with death really makes me laugh. You gotta watch a promo. <laughs> He's always talking about, like, you know, at, like, uh, he had a tag team, and he quoted, like, as a skeleton, we still walk. That's his opening line to children. <laughs> That's fucking sweet. Uh, um, That's so good. Talking about, like, seeking life after death, like, as a wrestler. Wow. Um, in the middle of the match. He is an insane person. Yes. In the <laughs> and mi- racist. Yeah, he's, like, a very bad person. Like, don't get us wrong, he's, but. He's also dead. A um, captivating bad mm-hmm. person. And he's dead, so fuck him. It's fine. <laughs> in the middle of the match, he stops to look at his hands. And then yes! look at God. And then raise his hands to God. And then look at his oh, hands again. Oh, the God light. Like, I'm pissed that they didn't have a god light for him to like they they literally are on the verge of like having a light down and going like ah, like it's, <laughs> it's incredible like just again capital w wrestling like mo- fuck moves like fuck moves a guy is looking at his hands and screaming why at the ceiling like why i don't i would rather see that than see a fucking 450 like any day like right. that rules yeah that's like, our fat skeleton and he, for sure he's not and he's not asking why did he kick out he's asking why god did this happen to me yeah um why am i this large he has a promo uh in which he mentions seeing a vision of himself which dies and gives him the life to continue fighting he's just he's, he's a mystic unhinged. too yes these insane like holy figures who are also bad people <laughs> Just, wow. Uh, also, I think uh, Donald, speaking of bad guys, I think Donald Trump's in the front row. I morning. tried to find it and I couldn't, so I just figured I would have you point it out to I me. I think that's word. Trump. He's at the show for sure. It's mentioned earlier in the show that Trump's there. Oh, um, it's gotta be him then. So I think that's him in the front row. Well, I'm cool. pissed that he got to watch something this cool up close. Yeah, that sucks. Just yet another thing he has that he does not appreciate because he's too stupid. Yeah. But uh, Is the P-tape wrestling? We'll figure it out someday. <laughs> the P-tape is a work. <laughs> so the, the match it's we kind of... shoot. I think we've discussed all the important parts of the match, but for the ending. To lead up to it, I want to talk about what Sherry does. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Sherry. sorry. She, so... She has like a she has spots in this match. Mm-hmm. She jumps off the top turnbuckle and does the double axe handle barefoot. Like, she can wrestle. She's awesome. She was a wrestler. She she trained under Fabulous Mula, which sucks, but um yeah, she, she, was, she was a wrestler. I just was like really psyched. And yeah, she was like you said, she's sort of the opposite of Miss Elizabeth and the like she doesn't need she's not a damsel in distress. Like she's, she's going very, for it. She's like shades of Pat Benatar to me. And I don't know if the timeline on like Pat Benatar being famous lines up. Exactly, but it's like a very similar like aesthetic that she has going. And I also kind of... I think she looks like a showgirl. A little bit, yeah. But I mean, there's something about like the dark hair and like the makeup and all that. But there's something I also noticed. And like 
through the lens of old wrestling, it's gross, but through like sort of 2019 reclaiming of everything is that all of her stuff is very sexually charged and she owns it. Like yeah. in the promo package for this match, she is begging Ultimate Warrior to fight Randy at a mic that is at dick height for uh gene and mm. for ultimate warrior so she's basically like trying to like suck their dick in order to get them to do the show and then she does this insanely like bend and snap pop ass shot at the camera when she bends over and it's just like a really notable like aggressive sexuality that should scare you mm-hmm. yes and i think that's just like such a such a wild thing to have on tv in this like is as opposite as a as opposed to like this beautiful ray of light who is going to get hit by a large man at any minute of Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. Well, I mean, it It also then makes sense what eventually happens, which is Sherry starts beating up on, on Macho Man for losing. Because she lost her meal ticket. Right. And you have the total, like, virgin whore dynamic. Yeah. You know? oh, like, yeah. Because then Miss Elizabeth comes out and saves him and beats in, her up. I would say in, you know... All the footage we watched, incredible outfits, beautiful capes, like Juice Robinson's outfits would be nothing without Randy Savage. But like, oh, completely. He's like definitely going for oh uh, yeah a macho man thing. I think. Randy rooted in reality. <laughs> um, but out of everything I watched, those sparkly pants that she's wearing truly, <laughs> truly blew me away. And also, I have to say, in terms of like wonderful symbology, like. The stars on Miss Elizabeth's sweater, which I would wear, and if anyone can get me it, please, uh, are the same stars that Randy has on his trunks. Yes. It's the same shape. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same, like, arc. It's a really beautiful thing. And I talk about symbology a lot of just kind of, like, the true dedication was subconsciously in her wardrobe when she spontaneously did a run-in because wrestling is real. Um, and it's it's wonderful. I also just can't imagine, like, being the person sitting next to Miss Elizabeth and looking at her sparkly pants and being yeah. like, I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> I, I like how... Tomley uh, gets up and gets a Pepsi and goes to the bathroom. <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon or whomever, oh, like, oh, it was Miss Elizabeth from like 40 feet away like, at the yeah. end of the match. That they then are able to cut a camera to immediately. Right. I like uh, I like when he says, uh, she's here to see him lose and rub it in. Like, yeah, that's why. <laughs> um, they do they do well, though. I, the match is very long, especially by like sort of this era standard so like you do you don't necessarily expect it i don't think and like when when she comes up and and saves him you no, know and the way it's telegraphed is that we love to talk about how things are telegraphed in modern matches it's nothing about any of what we're watching is subtle but for what it is it's kind of subtly telegraphed of just kind of like you know it's gonna happen but it's still just like a wonderful like fulfilling thing it's a very like genuinely emotional moment um even knowing you know that this woman had a really horrible life with this guy it still is like very touching the way that they sort of come together and and he doesn't realize right away that what she's done like she so she sort of dispatches with sherry like throws her over the top rope or something which is like hell yeah but then like she kind of touches him and he like brushes her off because he thinks it's sherry Sherry again and then he sort of looks up and he realizes and like 
they just sort of look at each other while the place goes fucking bananas. Everyone's fucking like eating their hair. It's so good. Yeah. But what the, what the, what the announcers are saying or trying to sell is the idea that Savage doesn't know who's hitting him. So he thought yeah. it was Elizabeth the entire time. And the referee has to say, no, no, no. She she fought off Sherry or whatever. Oh, um, yeah. Which is like, oh, that's even better. Oh, that's man. even better. Yeah. yeah. Blind, like, you know, uh, the, the prince goes blind walking through the desert. Only like the, 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 the curative tears of a, of, uh, of a maiden or the, the princess bring, <laughs> bring him back, whatever. The redemptive power of love. Yeah. Uh, this match has it all. Um, and I'm, yes, even knowing that this is not actually cool. Fuck, does it fucking get me? It's cheesy as shit in the way that I most love. Yeah, yeah. and especially after a match that is so intense. Like, I just feel like the whole match, you get this, like, incredible catharsis from, I think, being in that audience because it is so exciting and there's so much to look at and there's drama and run-ins and, you know, all this crazy shit. And the audience is going insane. And then to have all that and then have this huge emotional climax at the end how, like that just must have been unbelievable. Yeah, I can't even imagine like how sort of spent I would feel after all of this. I would absolutely be like, I'm getting a beer now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I well, I also minute. the close-ups in the audience who are actually there are crying. women crying, sobbing. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. it is beautiful. <laughs> and I also kind of in like the subtext of the match is like they're kind of right in that she doesn't want to rub it in his face, but like. Elizabeth wants him to lose so she can get the man back and not the character. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about, I didn't think that. about that. Oh, that's immediately what it was like. Damn, of course. I don't want him to lose, but I want this person I care for to find his humanity again. Mm. So they both win. Yeah. Of like, it's, and he, yeah, you know, he wins because he gets his woman back, but he wins because he turns back into a human. Mm. Hulk disappears. Bruce Banner is back. Mm. That's what I got Fuck, out that's, of this. That's, that's really interesting. That's exactly correct to me. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> huh. Huh. You solved it. Huh. Did I break you? No. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm such a fucking sucker for cheesy things like this. This is the kind of shit like that pushes all my buttons. And I'm like, well, oh, I my love God. how like poorly um, she runs. She even runs. <laughs> Can't run in those heels. Yeah. Oh, um, no. But like her... I, I'm not expecting her to have like perfect mm-hmm. Olympian track form, but she runs like arms waving yeah. everywhere like a cartoon <laughs> character. And it's great. And I love it. So the last thing we watched after this was we watched their wedding at SummerSlam. And again, <laughs> like it's so cheesy. Like it's so corny. They're wearing the tackiest outfits. It's like 91. So it's like still super puff sleeves and, you know, fucking awful 80, like wedding dresses. Yeah. And shit. It's, so it's that and it's wrestling. So it's like tacky, the wrestling tacky on top of that. And it's like really silly. And like uh, Randy Savage, obviously, instead of saying I do, says, oh, yeah. And like. <laughs> It's so corny, but at the same time, like, it is genuinely, like, very sweet. It's and, really sweet. Yeah, it's, and again, like, they get divorced, like, less than a year after this. In real life, yeah. But it's, like, it's such a sweet, sweet moment. And to have everybody cheering, and they're just, it made me really happy. Yeah, that, that, that is, the, uh, the weird parallel here is that, like, their relationship is, like, extremely on the rocks as they get married in the ring. Right. Uh, um, um. Which is just like... A mark of how good she is as an actress. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, like, I don't... I This is just... By the way, this is just stuff that I, like, read on Wiki. And, like, I don't know what happened in real life. 
But it seems like once he kind of had his career on the downturn and he turned back into a person, they did have a friendly communication and some sort of like friendly affection for each other. They were no longer married and that's a very, very good thing. But like the fact that they ended and she still like regarded him with some kindness, I think, is a mark of her. And her forgiveness. There's definitely a point in Randy's life where he stops being an asshole. Or yeah. Or become, becomes less of an asshole gradually over time. By, um, by, by all accounts. By, yeah. Uh, he yeah. became a, a nicer person. And actually, his, his post-wrestling career, um, I mean, like, he did his last... He did some stuff, like, in TNA in 2004 or whatever, but, like, he really was done wrestling um, in the mid-90s, early 2000s. Yeah. He was in WCW, and he joined the NWO, but that... Yeah, um, as did everyone who was right. like at that point in their career. <laughs> Got to get paid. Um, he married like a high school sweetheart or something like that, Aww. and they had a nice little life together. He didn't do press. He didn't do media. He did Spider-Man, uh, which is <laughs> a- allegedly where he got the injury that ended up um, like really fucking up his shit for the rest of his life. Um, he also did uh, Space Ghost Grandfather. That's right. Which, which we did watch <laughs> and was wonderful. It's pretty good. Yeah, and like obviously none of us believe that uh, being nice at the end of your life redeems you for being horrible for most of it beforehand. But it does seem to make sense like that all of these issues were like control issues. And once he sort of was like, I did what I was happy to like I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. And now I can kind of loosen up and maybe be a little Mm self-reflective, you know. But stop uh, dying his beard. (laughs) (laughs) What color is his beard? White. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. it was, he was going full Santa at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I also love that throughout this and that like instead of hiding the fact that his hair is thinning and that he's balding, his hair is somehow styled in a way to ultimately show it off at all times. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so funny. <laughs> but I mean, this was a wonderful, wonderful introduction to Randy. No, oh, thank you. He's he's just a, he's a big shouty freak and... Uh, <laughs> I love every minute, and I'm um, glad y'all would uh, share it with me. Yeah, this ruled. Um, Tim, what do you have uh, that people should check out? I've got a show in Austin coming up on March 9th. If you are a wrestling fan or just a fan of partying, uh, Party World Wrestling presents Russell Slam V, Bash of the Titans. Uh, um, <laughs> it's a, a, a vaguely uh, Greek and Assyrian Empire themed show. Oh, sweet. Uh, cool. Taking place at Fourth Tap Brewery in Austin, Texas. Uh, it's just the PWR show. It's it's our big show of the year. It'll be it'll be a, a, a good time. Um, other than that, I don't know, man. Like if you want to learn about healthcare policy, I've got a healthcare policy newsletter. It's at tinyletter.com slash error. Uh, my my book comes out in August, and I'll be plugging it there. Uh, but that's about it. That's about it. As if that isn't like nine incredibly impressive things. You can follow Tim <laughs> on Twitter at Kroll. Uh, yeah. C R U L G E. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on finishing your first draft of your book. Yeah, man. holy Thank shit. You, it's, you wrote, you a, wrote book. a book. Yeah, my, my TMJ got a lot better, turns out. Uh, um, <laughs> Once but, you finish uh, the book. Yeah, I was like, oh man, my jaw doesn't hurt all the time anymore. <laughs> um, it'll be a good book. I'm, I, I am and will be proud of it. Sweet. Um, well, yeah, if you liked this episode, uh, WrestleSplania, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleSplania. Um, we have an aforementioned bonus episode about The Bachelor going up pretty soon. Listen, I love to sell things. <laughs> <laughs> we also um, have a bunch of bonus episodes actually about wrestling on there, believe it or not, uh, and a wonderful patron-only Discord full of big sweetie pies who like to talk about wrestling. So that is a pro-buy. Um, 
I also have two other podcasts, uh, Lie, Cheat, and Steal, about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters, and What a Time to Be Alive, about uh, weird, crazy news stories that make you say the title of the podcast, and that comes out every week. Uh, I'm going to be in Austin soon, February 6th through the 16th. I have Master Pancake shows and stand-up shows, so look at my Twitter for all those dates. Rachel, what's up? Um, I have teased it on the show before, but I believe by the time this episode comes out, the website for the documentary I have worked on about Pennsylvania voting rights will be live. It is lineinthestreet.com. You can stream or buy a movie my dad and I made. Uh, I'm really proud of it. I think we did some good work. And uh, uh, yeah, go please go rent or buy a movie I made. Thanks. Also, give us five stars on iTunes. Okay, bye. Bye. Love you. Goodbye.